how it's not just about praying, it's not just about reading your Bible. I have a lot of free time. And so the question has always been, what do I do with that? Life as a Christian should be full-time Christian service for everybody. When it came to going to church, he was faithful. What is the biggest obstacle you've overcome since graduating from BJU? And anytime you talk about mental illness, you know, it's a huge catchphrase right now. And it's just cool to reflect on situations that are difficult to go through. But that time in my life, I had to figure out what am I living for? Why am I here? Why should I keep going on? Today's story of God's grace features Joshua Balassa, a 2020 graduate from Bob Jones University who holds a degree in math education. Joshua was open and honest about the difficult personal journey that ended with him finding his current role as a Christian school teacher. Joshua also spoke with gratitude about the training he received at BJU, both in preparing him to be a math teacher and affirming his foundation of faith that he could come back to when he needed it most. This is Joshua's story of God's grace. My name is Joshua Balassa. Um, I am a math teacher here at Southside Christian School. Um, I've been teaching for five years, so this is the start of the sixth year. Um, graduated from Bob Jones in 2018. Uh, and then I started teaching at Hillcrest High School um, in Simpsonville as part of the Greenville County School System, and then transitioned over here at the, yeah, at the beginning of last school year. Did you always know you wanted to be a teacher? Like, did you come to Bob Jones knowing I'm going to teach math and that's what I'm going to do? Yeah, coming to Bob Jones for sure. Um, I think I probably figured it out a couple years before that. I knew from a young age that I enjoyed math. Uh, that was something that was definitely going to be part of my life because it was something I was good at. Um, there was, you know, the ability there and the desire. Um, as I started looking at different options for what I could do with a math career, I thought about an accounting degree, I thought about actuarial work, engineering, which would be more of the practical stuff. Uh, but really, just as I finished out high school and had the opportunity to help other students or even my sister uh, with math problems and see them pick up on what I was trying to explain, I just realized that helping other people with math was something that I had a strong desire for. That's great. So uh, as a teacher here at Southside, uh, what do you enjoy most or what are some of your favorite aspects of your position as a math teacher here? With the idea of being a math teacher is that I get to take something that I'm good at and super passionate about and make a career out of that. You know, pouring into other individuals, um, just something that I find enjoyable. Um, there are definitely lessons in the teaching process that a little bit more boring or I know are really hard for students. So in my mindset, it's just, I gotta get through it. Uh, but a lot of days there is enjoyability in just the teaching, the math, working through examples, uh, getting to a specific type of problem that's a little bit more challenging and helping somebody understand how to, how to get to an answer. But apart from that, and probably even a little bit bigger picture is the relationships that I get to build with the students. Uh, that's, that's a huge part of teaching because you can be an effective educator um, or an effective instructor, instructor without really being a good teacher. Um, there is a, there's a difference there, and especially when you're talking about the high school level as opposed to college especially, there is a connection between the relationship that you build with the kids and the motivation that they have to perform well and ask for help and really put their best effort in. Um, so both academically and also just personally for my own fulfillment of knowing that I'm impacting individuals, I really do love the classroom aspect and then even just the extracurricular aspect of being able to interact with students and, and get to know them and then use those relationships to just you know, propel um, them, them forward on the next step for their life. What did it feel like when you kind of stepped into the Christian classroom as opposed to, I know you probably, we've talked a little bit off camera, but you, you had a passion for 
you know, teaching in the public school system, you kind of thought that was your calling, but what was the most notable difference for you, I guess, as you stepped into the classroom? I'm sure you were seeing maybe different needs, but maybe you were seeing the same needs, I don't know. First of all, being in private school, the needs of the students are different. A lot of them come from more wealthy homes with both parents there than what you're gonna see in the public school. Um, a lot of them come having been trained to have a lot of respect and a lot of uh, responsibility and diligence, once again, at greater rates than what I would have seen in public school. And so just learning to work with higher functioning students, just at least on outward appearance, uh, put a little bit more pressure on how I run the classroom, how I make decisions, how clear my communication is, where my classroom management is, because I felt like there was a little bit more expected of me. Um, so that's not a Christian thing specifically, but that private school difference definitely made a change um, just in the demographic. As far as the Christian aspect, one of the things I noticed is just the environment of the school that I'm working in. So when you have leadership that is focused on instilling a biblical worldview in the students and building a community for the teachers, and you have other teachers that are like-minded with you in trying to see students, yes, do their best academically, but also grow in their love for Christ and their walk with Him, the whole I said, just environment and push behind what I do has changed a little bit, and it feels like I'm actually more backed up on what I already wanted to do. So like you said, being in the public school, I've alluded to before where um, I did have a call for that. I, I had a desire to work with unsafe students and even you know, interact with unsafe teachers or whatever as God would allow to be able to impact their lives uh, for Christ to be a testimony. But it's difficult to do that in public school because you're limited in what you can say and do. And so coming to a Christian school, I have full liberty to live out my Christian faith in front of both the people I work with and the students um, and their families for that matter too. So that doesn't affect a whole lot about how I teach math because math is not intrinsically you know, a Christian subject, although it does help us see things about God's character in the world which, which he's created. Um, so I think really that the biggest difference with a Christian school environment is going to be just that, the environment, the, the world in which you're working, um, so the types of people you're working with and the, the perspective they all have, but then also just the freedom to live out who I am as a person in Christ with that full identity instead of trying to hide it except for certain occasions where I felt it was just the right time to say something. What is the most important thing Joshua does every day? Well, that's a good question. There's a few ways I could go with that. Probably was to say wake up in the morning because without that I'm not, not worth a whole lot. But realistically, especially as it ties into our discussion here, I would probably say it is the time that I spend with Christ. At an early age, it was ingrained into me that spending time both in prayer and Bible reading was very important. But as I got older, both in teen years and even just since then, I've realized more and more how it's not just about praying, it's not just about reading your Bible. Those are necessarily elements of developing a relationship with Christ. When you look at everything that God has done for us, starting with salvation, but just the ways that he makes life better for us personally and also changes us to make life better for other people and lead other people into relationship with him, there's so much to be thankful for. But you also realize that life without God isn't worth a whole lot. I could be a fairly effective teacher without God in my life, but I won't have the desire to be and I'm sure I'd be selfish and impatient and unloving way more than I am now. I still have a lot of room for growth there, 
but having that personal relationship with Christ and continuing to foster on a daily basis is really essential for impacting lives the way that I want to and the way that I know that God wants me to. So whether it be actually reading through a devotion in the morning, reading through scripture itself, thinking about the things that I read with the meditation, listening to Christian music on the way to school or on the way home where I'm thinking those words again that are just putting truth back in my head, whether it's talking to God in the, in the classroom just in front of the students, whether it's talking little moments here and there when I need wisdom in a moment or something's frustrated or it's frustrating or I've lost something and I need help finding it, or it's going home and just talking to God on the trip and saying, man, this is my day. Here's what's on my mind. You know, it's just all part of keeping that relationship active and keeping my focus on what really matters. We'll come back to the classroom part of that, but for those listening, um, you know, you and I have this context in our heads because we've talked earlier this summer, but uh, maybe other people don't know that you spend your summers, uh, you know, you teach during the semesters, but then you spend your summers volunteering. Last two summers have been at Northland uh, Christian Camp and Conference Center. And so I wondered if what you've just listed as the most important thing plays a role in your decision to do that during the summer, if you could talk about that at all. Yeah, it really does. I was privileged to, or I guess I should say blessed, to be able to pay off my college debt a year and a half after graduation. Being a teacher, you get paid the entire year, at least in my situation, but you have a lot of time off in the summer, and generally summer around 10 weeks. It's a lot of time to do something for or to do nothing for. Some people like to take it easy. I don't have a family to be spending more time with kids or spending more time doing projects around the house. I have a lot of free time. And so the question has always been, what do I do with that? So originally it was working, both through college and then shortly after college. Although actually the summer after graduation, I worked at a Christian camp then as well. I was a while in New England, up in New Hampshire. Uh, I worked there as a cook. And then the next couple summers I was focused on work because I wanted to pay the debt off, just you know, be responsible with my finances. But since then, I've had the opportunity to serve or take a missions trip, which I did three years ago, even with this school to be able to partner with them on missions trips that they do uh, either in January, they take a couple, in, in the summer, I think they take one. Um, they've also started doing some week-long camps in the summer. Some are just half a day, some are the full day. Uh, there are a variety of topics, but some of them are a spiritual focus or at least give you an opportunity to continue building relationships with the kids for the, for the hope of eventually having spiritual conversations. And so even if it was just something more short-term like that, I still love the idea of using the financial situation God's allowed me to be in right now, along with the free time that I have as a teacher, to really just look for more ministry opportunities. You know, we think different times about full-time Christian service as being a missionary, a pastor, evangelist, or Christian school teacher. But really, as far as I'm concerned, life as a Christian should be full-time Christian service for everybody because God has called us both to evangelize and to disciple. And that doesn't have to stop regardless of where you are, what state you're in, what you're doing with your life, what country you're in, it doesn't matter. And so my goal in life is to serve Christ with everything that I do. Um, there are definitely times to take a break, to go on vacation, to work an extra job, to bring an extra money, to take care of the responsibilities of life. But overall, whether it be teaching here at Southside Christian or working at camp or anything else that God would bring in my life, my desire is to serve Him with the time that He gives me. I'm always eager to ask people, um, no matter what stage of their life they're in, but especially younger people, who has made the biggest impact on your life? And um, I may follow up on that in a minute, but I'll let you, just as, as it came to your mind when I asked that question, I'll let you answer that. 
Yeah, obviously life is full of circumstances, full of people, and they all impact you in certain ways. And so it's sometimes hard to say that there's one person that does more than anybody else just because God uses all sorts of, of situations. Uh, but I think I would have to answer that by saying my, my dad. Uh, my dad has been a stable figure in my life since I was young. Um, you know, just seeing him be a hard worker, uh, see him be good at pretty much anything he put his hand to, see him as a father and as a husband running his home in a way that tried to please the Lord, uh, really all just set me up, I believe, for success, uh, both as an individual but also as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, there were times where he would work nights and so he wasn't there to lead the family devotions in the evening. But whenever he was home on weekends or other times, you know, he was leading that. The rest of the time was my mom. Uh, but when it came to discipline, when it came to going to church, he was faithful. He was patient with us. He was, uh, he was a solid leader uh, just in so many ways. And even as I've gotten older, past you know, being out of the home, I remember a conversation where he told me, it's like, you will always be my son, but you're also an adult now and we can treat each other as adults. And that was really cool for me because it was like my dad recognizing me as an adult and encouraged me in that instead of just trying to protect me from things or trying to run my life as I know sometimes parents do that. And so I've just been very blessed to have a cheerleader, which we normally wouldn't call our dad necessarily a cheerleader, but still in the sense of somebody who promotes doing what is right, following Christ, encourages you in what you're doing, just supports you on whatever path you want, uh, as long as it's a good one, that's, that's been really cool to have. Um, and I think I'll just add to that a phrase that he's told me so many times, and that is that different is not wrong. I'm smiling because this comes up in so many conversations with people where I'm getting used to people being different than me and trying to not be frustrated by that. Uh, I'm a very black and white sort of person, very analytical thinker, a planner. Obviously, a lot of people are not that way, just by personality. But even for people who are, they might want to do something a different way. They may have different standards. They may come from different backgrounds. They just have different preferences in the moment. And so whether it's working with people in general or students, I have to remember the way that I want to do things or the way that I think about things does not match everybody else. And my unwillingness to meet somebody else where they are is unloving and unfair. And that's been something that God has really worked on me a lot through the last few years as well. But it all started with my dad just saying that so many times because he could see where I was super particular on issues. And it's like, there's other ways to think about this. And so, yeah, when you're in an occupation working with tons of people, uh, I think that, that's been really important. So I, I just, I really love my dad. I really just appreciate the impact he's made on my life. Okay, so I, I ask everyone this question, so don't feel singled out, you know. And, and people who have listened to our, our stories of different graduates have heard similar questions like this already, so they, they know what's coming. If they haven't been listening, then shame on them. What is the biggest obstacle you've overcome since graduating from BJU? I think sharing with one another as believers what the Lord has brought us through can be an encouragement for maybe people who are either facing it or are maybe looking back on a time when they wish they had responded better and they can recognize God's grace in that. So I, I'd love to hear what you're saying. Yeah, I think the biggest thing that I really that has challenged me or that I've struggled with since graduation um, actually was a period of life about a year ago uh, where I dealt with a lot of depression. Um, and that, that came from a variety of factors. Um, I have a history of some mental difficulties, both with anxiety and depression. Some of that may be hereditary. Some of it, it's hard to explain. Some of it actually is spiritual, even though I don't think all of it is. And anytime you talk about mental illness, you know, it's a huge catchphrase right now. And so it's like everybody's got a story about mental illness. 
And so I don't want to make it sound like I had anything bigger than what anybody else deals with, but I also don't want to minimize something that was a super big part of my life because I was very significantly impacted. I, I dealt for about three years actually with serious, um, seasonal depression, but last year was by far the worst. And just going through that and just thinking about my life itself and what needed to change to try to bring me out of that, uh, there were a lot of things that got revamped. My living situation changed. Uh, I moved in with a friend temporarily and just because he was kind of concerned enough about me uh, that it was, it was almost more of an accountability sort of protection sort of thing uh, just to make sure that I would stick around. Just through moving there and then looking for housing again in the fall, that was a, something where I had to trust God, but that was, that was difficult, like almost being homeless for a minute, not actually on the streets, you know, I had, had somewhere to go. But that changed, and then I started thinking about just lifestyle things with diet and exercise, which are more simple, but still a big deal. And then I also thought about uh, a job. You know, I was contented with where I was working at Hillcrest High School for, for three to three and a half years. I, I knew that there were struggles of being there, I knew it was a difficult job, stressful in many ways, but it was something that I was passionate about. And I got to a place leading up to the depression time period in, in the spring of, of last year, 2022, uh, where I was already kind of dissatisfied with some stuff at the school. There were policies that were not being enforced that I felt needed to be. There was a push from the district of Greenville County to teach in a certain way and use a particular curriculum. And it was something that I couldn't get on board with. And really, as I looked over just the school in general, uh, and what I was doing there and the system that I was part of, I felt like I was part of a sinking ship. I felt like our school was not serving the students the way that it needed to. And I was trying to fix those issues. I was trying to address discipline issues in the school. I was trying to teach effectively, both to the students who wanted to do well and the students that really didn't care about being there. And so these two things kind of tied together because in the midst then, in, this, in the spring, in the midst of the difficulties I was going through just mentally, processing life in general, processing a lot of spiritual stuff, um, processing counseling for the first time, and just perspective on everything, that I'm also looking at, I'm really frustrated with my job, what do I do here? So I thought about leaving education entirely. I thought about just going to a different school in the district. I thought about leaving the district and going to a different district. I thought about going to a different, you know, like, or going to Christian school, private school. Um, and it took about two months to sort everything out, which really is not that long of a time frame. When you're talking about some sort of career change or whatever, there were a couple roads that I, I, I searched into and just said, are these viable possibilities? And it was like, nope, those really are clearly not options. And then I'm like, I really do still want to teach math. I feel like I have a passion for this. I still want to impact people. But at the time, I also knew that my testimony was not as effective as I wanted to in school because I was just overwhelmed by so many thoughts that the students I had that semester, I think I still taught them fairly well, but I knew I wasn't the teacher that God would have wanted me to be for them just because of everything that I was dealing with. And it was actually another teacher at my school who was leaving to go to a Catholic private school. He invited me to come to that school and I'm like, well, I'm not going to be able to sign a statement of faith. But he told me about Southside Christian. I'd heard of it like twice and it just wasn't something that was on my radar. But he's like, ah, oh, you might check out and see if they have a position. I didn't know if they had an opening. I didn't know what they would pay, but I started looking into it. Just looking at that particular time, you know, that was an obstacle, not only just with the mental stuff and trying to figure out what my life was going to look like and what was causing the issues and how I was going to move forward out of that stage of life. 
but then also trying to change career. There was a potential for that, uh, but change schools during that time, trying to get hired somewhere else, getting ready to leave things, and just making sure that that was the right decision. So there was just a lot that went on there. And I guess I'll just say kind of, you know, to close out, out this question, since that time, it's been made very clear to me that the direction that God gave in that difficult moment was definitely from Him and not just a bunch of crazy ideas that end up working in some way, shape, or form. Uh, I am very thankful to be where I am both mentally now as well as uh, with a job. And as much as I know that God used me where I was for the time I was there, I know that God has me here now. And it's just cool to reflect on situations that are difficult to go through and be able to say God was faithful all along. Um, you know, sometimes as Christians, we just say everything was God, and it's like, oh yeah, my problem wasn't actually that big, like God was there for me and it's all good now. And to some extent that's true, but I also know it was a very difficult time in life and there were a lot of questions. And so just looking back and seeing the, like legitimately the goodness of God through that and the direction that he brought out of that is huge, because I would not be here if I hadn't been through that. I would probably still be in public school somewhere, whether Hillcrest or somewhere else. Um, so yeah, it's just, just all part of a big picture and I'm really thankful for what God's done. Yeah, that's amazing. I really appreciate you sharing and, and just being authentic and open. And um, I'm grateful for your friend who was willing to step in and be what you needed uh, for that time period. And But to me, what I'm hearing from your testimony is you had pretty solid foundation in the Word growing up and you had really good examples in your dad, your church. Um, was there anything during your time at BJU that you might look back and say, that was really a solidifying moment for me, or that was maybe a, uh, an eye-opening moment where I was able to add to my faith or, or add to my knowledge or something like that, that then you, maybe looking back, saw how it played a role in that getting through that hurdle, that obstacle about a year ago? Yeah, I think everything in our lives shapes us in some way, shape, or form. I think the biggest thing that college did for me was to help me continue that progression of difference, not wrong. Um, college is a special time of life where you're technically an adult because you're out of high school, you're out of the home, but you really haven't entered the adult world. It's an extra training time. I think some things about the way college affects you, it's going to be hard to know maybe ever because it's a four-year period of time. You're around so many people, so many experiences. You know you're one way when you go in, you're a different way when you come out, but then life still progresses after that. But I can definitely say that my understanding of other people changed because especially with being homeschooled for eight of the years I was in school um, and not having a lot of interaction with people my age, there were a lot of things I didn't know. I kind of just thought everybody was like me. And so college started to help break that stereotype. I also struggled to make friends for the first couple of years because I was so focused on what I wanted to do with whether, whether it be the academics or you know, a little bit of music I was involved in or church stuff or my job just to pay for college. I didn't get invested in other people's lives very much. And that was something that I had to grow out of junior and senior year especially. And then just from there on continue recognizing that friends are important. You know, I even shared in my senior year at graduation a testimony about friends and realizing how important that they were and how I grew in that over my time at school. So I think even just being able to work with a team of people as a teacher was a skill that I would have learned from being in college because especially being homeschooled, I hated working in group settings. And so really learning to work with people, accept their differences, be able to adapt, put some of your preferences aside and the way that you would do things to work as a unit was something that the college would have started in me. 
Um, obviously, academic preparation was there as well, just preparing me to be a teacher. Spiritually, it was helpful to continue having the chapel services, the small groups, uh, just you know more of that information along the way. But like you said, I did grow up in a Christian home, a uh, very solid background. And so there were a lot of things about being a Bob Jones that just felt like a continuation of something that I already had, as opposed to something that was new and super foundational. I think really what college did the most for me, as I've already alluded to, is just that character development and recognizing that there was a bigger world out there than myself. But as far as even just some of the changes I've made recently, uh, I think the difficulty in my life last year, which led to the counseling, was probably one of the most foundational things in changing my perspective on life. But everything before that was necessary to be able to just flip a little bit and have everything click for me, because I already had the foundation. That's great, that's great. I really appreciate you answering that. That's great. Would you say you've turned a corner? You know, you, you talked about a lot about being black and white and having to learn that different isn't bad. Like, would you say there was a moment where you kind of turned a corner where you realized like, okay, maybe I'm not naturally wired to gravitate towards people who are not like me, but it is a ministry, it's an opportunity I have to show love to them? Would you, or was there any time anyone came to you and said, hey, Joshua, here's a way that you could improve yourself? And they mentioned that specifically? I have had multiple people in multiple situations. <laughs> I know you're smiling because like, ouch. Um, I've had multiple people in multiple situations that have made comments trying to help me grow in that area. I wouldn't say that there was any one person or one situation that has made me around the corner. It has been a development over the past nine years now, starting with entry to college and continuing on to this day. Some of it, like I said, was spearheaded with where my dad was the first person to really put that idea in my head. Some of it was people in college. I remember a senior my freshman year we worked together for facilities distribution, which we would deliver packages, but move tables, chairs, set up for events. And he told me, he's like, do you realize how intense you come across? And I said, I I'm not mad at anybody. Like, I just get excited about things. He's like, I know, but you gotta calm down. And so there was that side of the personality of just getting super energetic and involved. And it's like, oh, I didn't even realize how I was coming across. And I still have a tendency to do that where I just get energetic and just go for it. But I have a very strong personality which can be good for leaving the classroom and instilling fear in students, you know, a healthy fear. But it also can be a bad thing because a lot of people are just intimidating and back down and they're not willing to be honest with you because they're scared to be and then you don't grow. So it's, it, it's taken a few people that were willing to actually come out and say, hey, do you realize how you're coming across? That helped me start realizing, oh, I've got to be careful. But then I started realizing too, on top of just how it's coming across, what I portray is based on how I think. So ultimately, if I'm making people feel uncomfortable or I'm being super judgy or trying to control the situation, it's because I think that my way is best. And it's a hidden form of pride that I never realized was there. Even just some of the stuff last year where I started going to counseling and started to think about my perspective of people in the world, I do have so much more pride than I realize. I am way more judgmental than I realize because I just think that I'm best at everything. Not, not in an arrogant sense of I'm better at things than everybody else, but I naturally assume that if I do things a certain way, that's probably the best way to do it. It might be best for me. It might not be a bad way to do it, but other people have other reasons for how they think about things, the, 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 the standards that they hold, the, the judgment calls they make, and the way that they go about things. So anyway, back to just answer your question. It has been a period of time, not really specifically one person or event, but multiple circumstances, multiple people, even people walking out of my life a little bit where I think they might've stayed there if I had been different, 
where God's really just over a period of time woken me up to this fact of I've got to let people be themselves and meet people where they are instead of trying to control everyone and everything about them and be disappointed when people aren't like I think they should be. Well, thank you for answering that. I know I didn't prepare you for it, but um, I admire that in you as we've been talking the last couple months, and I, I think I it started to really click for me today as I was hearing the testimony. So on that note, I'll, I'll ask the last question that we have here, which is, what is your favorite part of being a believer? Because I see that thread woven throughout your story as we've talked, even just today, is that being a believer is really your driving, motivating factor. So I just kind of want to hear that from you as to what, what you would say when you hear that question. Yeah. That question hits deep because my walk with God has become so increasingly important to me in the last year or two specifically. You know, I've, I've had a walk with God since I was five years old um, when I trusted Christ as my Savior. And, and I've looked back at different times and said, was I actually saved at five? You know, sometimes it's hard to know when you're that young, but I really do believe that I understood enough to where I knew I was a sinner. I knew what it meant to be saved. I knew that God was willing to offer uh, the gift of salvation. There was nothing I could do to earn it. And so I really do believe that that was when I was saved. Growing up in a Christian home, I, I knew truth. I knew what the Bible taught about theology, about our relationship with Him, about practical ways to live the Christian life. I know what the books of the Bible talk about. I know the importance of witnessing. I know the role that God wants to play in our life. I understand grace. But a lot of it was still academic for so long. I didn't want it to be. I wanted to have a personal walk with God that meant something, that, that I was motivated to have, that wasn't just out of necessity because God made me to be a certain way and I'm supposed to fill that calling and I'm supposed to enjoy it, but I can't force myself to enjoy it. And I think last year when the depression hit so hard and, and really, you know, I was contemplating living, things became very personal. When you deal with something when you're considering the choice to continue living or not. There's got to be a reason for going on. Um, it's not something you just take lightly and say, oh yeah, you know, pop a few meds and you're good. Uh, as much as that would be easy, that wasn't the way it worked. And, and I'm actually very grateful that I was able to move out of that frame of life in just a matter of a few months because I know people that have gone on for years dealing with deep depression and I haven't. I've really been um, in a solid position since, you know, since last, last May. I mean, give, give or take a few days here and there. But that time in my life, I had to figure out what am I living for? Why am I here? Why should I keep going on? And it wasn't, it couldn't be out of obligation anymore, especially when it came to spiritual things, which really were a big part of the issue. I knew I wanted to please God, but I also didn't feel satisfied by my life. Um, I knew I was doing the right things. I knew that, you know, I would sin at times and that always tore me up because I knew I was displeasing God. But even my relationship with Him and living for Him, it was still just largely obligation, even though, like I said, the relationship was there. And when I finally went to counseling for the first time at, you know, other people's advice, I found somebody who could really click with my analytical brain with my conservative Christian background that knew all this truth, knew all these facts about God's holiness and His desire for our life to live for Him and His plan for life and how wonderful that can be. But he was able to see things in my thinking that just weren't fully balanced. And when he helped me really understand the love of God and the forgiveness of God 
and what grace really means. It was just eye-opening and truly life-changing. And so when we look at that question, what is the most important thing or the most special thing about being a believer? My answer is God's willingness to change us. Obviously, salvation is huge. I don't want to undermine that at all. You know, it's not what everybody goes to because that's a life-changing thing as well. But when we talk about the practical side of this is me, this is my life, I am here for another 50 plus probably years. What am I going to do with that time and how am I going to feel about the fact that I'm here as a human being continuing to live life? I have a passion to live that I never had before. I have a passion for serving Christ I never had before because I'm now motivated by love and not by obligation. I said it wasn't a major change. It was just little bits of my thinking. And God knew that I needed a lot of stuff to happen before I would be ready to make those changes. But yeah, life is so different. And I am just thankful beyond words that God would care about me in general, that he would choose to save me, but that he would keep working in my life to make me so much more productive for what he wants to do. And then give me the satisfaction that comes with it. Thank you so much for everything that you shared. I, I really do resonate with that idea. The only instantaneous change in anyone's life is salvation because we go from being out of fellowship to now covered by the blood. But then everything else is just like you said, that little by little by little by little. And even in the midst of a hardship, it's still the little decisions to keep obeying and keep believing what is true. That it's not a big, you know, monumental one-time decision. It's like, I still got to make that decision tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. And uh, I really resonate with that. But God's going to be with me for that whole time. And that's that's the cool part is I've seen so much now that I can trust God going forward and have that hope that he is not going to leave me or forsake me. He will continue to change me. You know, he that has begun a good work in you will perform until the day of Christ. So there's, there's a lot of confidence, um, even just from seeing him work so far. Amen. On behalf of Alumni Relations at Bob Jones University, I would like to thank you for listening to this story of God's grace. Subscribe for more stories like this one, and check the show notes for ways that you can better connect with your BJU alumni family.